Hello, this is Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Today is totally fluff. Uh, Diana's not here, and Cindy and I are recording this, and what really came up to us is some of the best things we've ever eaten. So I wanted to just mention a couple of the best things that I've ever eaten in the hopes that you would tell us, write to us on our page and tell us the best things you've ever eaten because I think that's what makes life worth living, to be perfectly honest with you. This morning I posted a picture of a salad that Cindy and I made years ago for a client with some peaches and beretta cheese and, oh, it was gorgeous. And everyone's responding to it. It's so funny. And all they keep saying is, Oh, that looks so good. I'd like to make that. And two or three of really old friends of mine keep saying, Denise, do you do anything else but think about food? And I'm embarrassed to say, not really. Okay. I'm as deep as a puddle. I really only care about food. So anyway, that's what the theme is today. But I'd love to hear from all of you. And as soon as Diane is back, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to make Diane tell us some of the best things she's ever eaten because she's been all over the world. All right, so here's where I'm going to start. The first time I ever went to Italy as an adult, I had been there as a child with my family. So my sister and I went. I'm in my 20s. She's in her 30s. We're, We're gorgeous. We're sexy and gorgeous. And we're just, we're running through Italy in 30 days and drinking champagne. And it was actually Asti Spumanti and we pick up guys and then we dump them and then we pick up other guys and then we dump them because we're moving fast on that bus. And, but we still manage to eat everything we can get our hands on. So to make the long story short, we get all the way, we started in Milan, we get all the way to Sorrento. Oh, we've probably been there 20 days. We're going to end up in um, Monaco. So we're in Sorrento. And of course, in those days, I know it sounds so ridiculous. This was the 70s late seventies, we've got on high heels and like dresses and stuff. You don't, you didn't wear jeans and a backpack in those days. You, we were all dolled up and we were starving for some reason. And we hadn't had any lunch. And we walked into this bakery in Sorrento, this beautiful, small Italian town. And the baker, we say to her, do you make sandwiches? And she says, no, no sandwiches. But she was pulling out at that moment out of the, her oven, a big old tray of warm fugaccia which we used to buy, my sister and I grew up on, of course, in San Francisco, uh, down near St. Peter's and Paul. There was a famous bakery for years. I think they're gone now, but they packaged the fugaccia and everybody bought it and served it at holidays. So she took out the warm fugaccia, cut two pieces as we kind of directed her. So we each got a big fat square of it. And then she brushed it with olive oil and then smashed ripe bananas on it. And we sat down on the curb in our expensive skirts and high heels and just sat on the curb and ate this fugaccia. And my sister and I looked at each other and said, I think this is one of the best things we've eaten in our whole lives. It was just absolutely what we needed. And I think that the fact that we didn't care that there was no table and that we sat on the curb when we used to be so ladylike was pretty damn funny. On the same trip in Italy... I found out that Italians make incredible croissants, okay? Everywhere I went for breakfast, they would offer these croissants. Well, of course, I thought that only France made croissants like that. But no, no, Italy had gorgeous croissants. In fact, such good croissants that when I got off the plane 
35 days later, I was kind of wearing the blanket as a skirt because my, I don't think I could zip up my jeans anymore. And my boyfriend at the time grabbed me and kissed me and hugged me. And then as we were walking to the car, he said, you had a really good time, did you? <laughs> he didn't want to die that day. It was a good thing he phrased it that way. But yes, it's true. I had to wear the blanket home off the TWA airplane. Now, my next memory, I'm with my husband, husband number two, and we're in Barcelona, and we've been there for about 10 or 15 days. We stayed right off a, beaut a little beautiful hotel right off the Rambles. And of course, if you've never been to Barcelona, you go there for the seafood, okay? Gorgeous, gorgeous seafood. And so we had paella one night. And it's the real paella, and if you, and I know there's a term for it, and I'm sorry, I can't remember, but the rice is actually burned on the bottom a little bit, like Persian rice, or, so you get this, this crispy, delicious bottom. We probably drank an entire bottle of Rojo with it, and we had this gorgeous paella, and I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to master this when I get home. So the next day, I'm in the marketplace by myself, and I buy... 30 paella pans because they're only $3 a piece. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, these cost $35 at, you know, Williams Sonoma. All my friends will be so thrilled that I bought them these pans. And then I bought also 30, 30 little bottles of saffron because the saffron was so beautiful and so inexpensive. Now, as you can imagine, when they delivered them to my hotel, and my husband was now in the room with me, and he saw these 30 paella pans made out of steel, and he said to me, boy, those look heavy, and we could barely pick them up. He said, how are you going to get these home on the plane? Oh, I hate that. Okay. I hate that. Well, guess what? I could, wasn't going to be able to get them home on the plane. So I took my $3 paella plans and went to a FedEx and it only cost me $400 to mail them home. <laughs> yes, that was still cheaper than if I bought them at Williams-Sonoma, but that was quite an experience. So they got home and then I gave everyone their paella pan and a little jar of saffron and everybody was thrilled. But I learned something. And since then, I almost buy nothing when I travel, okay? One or two small things because I learned my lesson. The next memorable dinner was a total gift to me. I was on a book tour and I had worked, Cindy and I had worked with Eric Repair from La Bernadette on the Ellen show. And of course we'd seen pictures, different things, but anyway, we were expecting, you know, this great show. <gasps> well, he arrived. And if you don't know who Eric Repair is, he's one of the most handsome men on the planet. Okay. And has his teeth like sparkle. They, I don't know how to explain it. They sparkle like tiny stars. And he has a French accent because he's French and he's the nicest, loveliest man you're ever going to meet. So he greeted Cindy and I in our crappy, dirty little kitchen that we worked on at Ellen. And when I say crappy and dirty, I'm being polite. And he came in the back and he had brought some of his own product and we had, he just worked with us and he was so, so lovely to us. Then he came back, Cindy worked with him again. And so when I was on the book tour, my book tour for Do It For Less Parties, I was doing some work in New York. So my business partner, Martha, who was also a, par a publishing partner in that book, said, let's call La Bernadette and see if we can get a reservation. And of course we couldn't because it's booked at 
so booked out. And then I said, well, you know, I did work with Eric and the woman, the publicist who hired me here in L.A. Maybe I'll call her and ask for a favor. So that's what I did. And we went to dinner. And it was one, the most memorable thing, it was about 10 courses. Of course, it's a glass of champagne to start. There was wine paired with every single course. I have the menu somewhere because it was so beautifully done. If you never have been to La Bernadette, it's basically seafood, just so you know. The first one was a, a garlic crustade, and he had draped over it the softest, softest, most delicious Scottish salmon and a little bit of chives on the top. And I don't know how to describe how delicious that was, but I remember thinking I've never eaten like smoked fish that was this good in my life. And then this is the part that's amazing. He came out. I gave him a book. We talked. He said, I'd already sent one book ahead. He said, I didn't get it, Denise, because my assistant, who was a young woman, loved it so much. She took it. I said, no problem. And he stood in the dining room in his chef whites talking to us. And Martha, my business partner, kept saying things like, is everybody seeing this, that the chef is out here at our table? And she literally was speaking to people around us saying, look at, look at this. It was very charming. And he was so charming. And then at the end of the dinner, he comped us the dinner, which was not expected. And I said, no, 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 you can't do this. He said, yes, I can. It's my restaurant. So we left a gigantic tip for the, the waiter and Simaye, who gave us wine at every single turn. And one of the loveliest things in my life is Martha doesn't drink, so I drank hers. And then here was the, and we, we went home and we were like flying. We were so high that we had had this gorgeous, gorgeous dinner. And then when I got back to the office, it took me about three months to tell Cindy about the dinner because she loved Eric and she had worked with him. So the thought of telling her that I'd gotten to go to his gorgeous restaurant and been comped at this incredible dinner just didn't sit. I just didn't think it would sit well with her. Now, luckily, she's a grown-up girl, and she took it pretty well, though I think some, once in a while she still throws it up at me, so maybe she didn't take it as well as I thought. But anyway, that was one of the most memorable dinners, and I would have to say it's because... The food is exquisite, and if you and it's ridiculous to eat. And, and here's the thing: it's the difference in New York. I, and it's like if you go to Patina in the olden days in LA. I mean, it's going to be several hundred dollars per person in the restaurant, but the place is packed, <laughs> and it's on a Tuesday night, and you think, "Wow!" But I'll tell you something: it's a destination restaurant, and if you can, if you're in New York, like going to the French Laundry, if you're in Napa, you call ahead and get reservations, and you won't regret it. Then, okay, where else? Oh, Cindy and I were talking about places that we've been together. When we went to Istanbul two years ago, it was right between there was a bombing of the the mosque, the blue mosque, and there was another bombing. And so at that moment, when Cindy and I were working on a Viking, the Viking Sea, and then we were getting off, we decided to stay an extra week so we could see Istanbul. It's been a dream of mine my entire life. Did not disappoint. And it was the only time, like, my husband, who doesn't complain about my travels, said to me, you girls really think you ought to be in Istanbul right now? And I thought, yeah, because I don't want to miss it. And Cindy and I got there, stayed in the most charming family hotel that gave us breakfast and, I think, wine at dinner, didn't they? Something. It was just charming. And, and Turkish coffees in the morning, that'll wake you up. And it was just, without a doubt, charming. So then we went on a food tour that Cindy arranged for us, and we ate their local bread and indifferent things. Everything was lovely. 
But at the very end of the day, we crossed over the Bosphorus, which is the river that divides Istanbul, the sea, Istanbul. So there is an eastern side, as they call it, and a western side. And in this little tiny, I'm not exaggerating, the size of a closet, the, our tour guide took us in, and this was the most famous caterer in Istanbul. She had a little tiny, like, I don't want to, it was like a garden table in the front and two chairs and we sat down and she brought us stuffed eggplants with lamb and Greek um, grape leaves that were rolled, but not the bottled ones that are so briny. These were actually fresh. So we sat there and ate for about an hour and every bite of everything we took, and I'm going to tell you, it was not a fancy place. Cindy and I would look, look at each other and say, this is the best grape leaf or the best eggplant I've ever had. And she was so charming to us and so lovely. And I think we'd come after she'd already even closed, but she she was so gracious and served us. And my favorite time, we had so much time, so many wonderful things in Istanbul. And another one was we got to a luncheon place that Cindy had found on Yelp. The owner was in the front of the restaurant when we first arrived feeding all the stray cats. Because in Istanbul, they believe in feeding strays. And then certain neighborhoods adopt dogs and tag them with on their ears. So the dogs run free, but the dogs get fed and get to the vet. It's the most civilized thing I've ever seen that people do not allow in Istanbul that the pets do not suffer. So he was feeding all the cats. 20 cats were in front of his restaurant. He was feeding them all. He was shaking the bag and putting stuff out for them. We didn't know he was the chef at the time. But we went in. There wasn't anyone in the restaurant that day. And he put out a mez, which you know is a, about 15 different little beautiful plates of food. It's, it was octopus in olive oil. It was There was a heavy... You know when you're in Istanbul, you see Greece and Armenian cooking. And you see all these cultures that have been sometimes, unfortunately, at war... But you see the food just becomes a tapestry of all these different things. We ate, and I drank wine. I'm sure Cindy had like one glass. But we drank wine and ate for two hours, and he acted like we were the most important people. It was a good-sized restaurant, and we were the only people there. But that didn't matter to him. And it was just the loveliest lunch, and he thanked us and thanked us, and we paid him, and we drove away. And it was one of those chance encounters that was just, it was kind of flawless. It had been a a flawless day. So that's memorable to me. And then on another trip, or actually, that was the same trip, but we started in Venice. Cindy and I, again, when you've been, you know, when you're getting paid, this is how I always do these vacations. You are, we were getting paid to work for eight or nine days on the ship, but we added an extra day in Venice and then a week extra in Istanbul. But we got to Venice and Venice and we took a, you know, a water taxi and the, and the sun was going down and the, the Venetian taxi driver, I don't know if he had a crush on Cindy or if he was just whatever, but he, he, he took us on like three times the water ride that we had paid for. So we went by the beautiful, it was just incredible. We had, and the sun was going down and we were the only two people in the water taxi and we had so much fun. We got to our hotel 
hotel. We found a medium-priced hotel. It wasn't really expensive. I've stayed in some of the most beautiful hotels in the world, the Daniele in Venice and, oh, my God, the Luna, gorgeous places. But, you know, we were getting on the ship, and so we didn't want to spend a ton of dough before we were going to work. We wanted to have a night but not blow everything that we made that we were going to make. And then we got there, and we unpacked. The room was fine, and the restaurant downstairs was just convenient. Now, I kind of said, oh, it's fine, because we were both very tired. We needed to get a good night's sleep to get up the next day to um, get on the ship. And it turned out that the restaurant down, and I can remember the name. We'll look it up, Cindy, because it was right there. The restaurant had, it was all waiters in red jackets. And they treated us like princesses, didn't they, Cindy? And it was, we had this whole fish that was so, it was so fresh. And the guy had kept saying to us, the fish we got it this afternoon, you know, it was a fresh fish. And they made homemade bread and they had homemade desserts. And then, of course, after we had finished eating, they brought us a little liqueur, an Italian liqueur as a compliment just to thank us. And they brought us something else. Oh, this isn't just complimentary because you're staying in the hotel. So we sat there for like two hours and it was one of the loveliest just the loveliest dinners I've ever had because, again, the food was superb, but the graciousness of the people that served us. And this what really probably reminded me of a lot. When I grew up in San Francisco in the 50s, Italian restaurants, all the waiters were handsome, and they were Italian, and they wore red jackets, and they flirted with you. It didn't matter how old you were. So even as a little girl, they would flirt with you, and they were so charming and so handsome, and then they would bring me a Shirley Temple. So I have really fond memories of Italian waiters. And then Cindy and I had gone to Valencia. Actually, we had gone to speak at a food photography festival, and it was in Tarragona. So this is a few years ago. And then Cindy, smartly, Cindy's always the travel planner. I have to tell you something. I just say to her, I don't care what it costs. Just tell me what I owe you. And Cindy said, after we're in Tarragona, which was very small, but very charming on the ocean, and we were there a couple of days, but you've seen, and the food was phenomenal. And we were with two dear friends, one of them, Matt Armaderas, who's a photographer. We had the mo and his Adam, his spouse, and Adam's a stylist. But we ate in all these places, and it was such very Spanish food, fresh fish, the papas with the red sauce. I mean, it just went on and on, and everything, and peppers, those, those peppers... Shishito, they're like a shishito pepper, and they were in olive oil. And oh my God! So we ate in all these great places, but we took, got a rental car. And when we do trips like this, Cindy knows I am not going to drive. Okay. I can barely get my own car out of the driveway and not have a problem. I'm not driving in a foreign country. That's, that's probably the only thing I'm really afraid of. I'll do just about anything, but I will not drive in a foreign country unless it was an emergency. So Cindy, drove us up the coast. We went to Valencia and we stayed in the most magnificent hotel there. But what happened the whole time we were on that trip was we discovered, this is again before, this has to have been eight years ago, right? Cindy, something like that. It was before Nespresso coffee made the big splash in America and opened these things. So everywhere we went, we kept getting these great cafe au lait or and whatever we were getting, and we finally went, peeked around the corner of the restaurant, and there was the Nespresso makers, and there were the guys making these Nespressos, and that's when Cindy and I came home and bought Nespresso makers, and to this day still use them. And Nespresso is a, recycl a recyclable little container, just so you know. They've made huge, they make a big deal that they recycle all those pods. It's not like the other 
company. So anyway, those are what I remember. Is, oh, and one more thing about Spain. On the buffets every morning. So we got these big buffet breakfasts like they do in Barcelona, Spain. Beautiful. Lunch meat and eggs and meats and sweets and really anything you could ask for is on the buffet. Now, so we're eating this gigantic breakfast and Cindy, which she's done everywhere we've ever gone, is, she's a food hoarder. I can say this honestly. She's taking rolls and I look over and in paper napkins, she's rolling rolls with butter and salami or lunch meat that she has found. So she's making sandwiches. And I keep saying, Cindy, what, why are you doing that? We have food. We don't need that. She does it on the cruise ship. She takes extra cookies. She's hiding food around the room. I'm thinking we're going to get rats in here. And I'd say, Cindy, why are you hoarding this food? Well, guess what? She taught me that it's a fabulous thing and wherever we went after I had said, please, you don't have to do that. I was the first one in line for the free sandwiches when we were driving somewhere because they were delicious. So I just tell, that's why I love to travel with Cindy because she, ha- she drives and she makes sandwiches. What else do you want out of life? I'll end with this. I grew up in San Francisco. We lived in Marin, but my grandparents owned an apartment house, which my aunt still lives in and my sister and I own with my aunt. It's been on Van Ness Boulevard for 100 years. So if you know that, it's close to Union Street where there's great restaurants. And one of the best ones that used to be there was Perry's. And Perry's had the best hamburger and Bloody Mary's. And the the 49ers and the Giants used to be in there. The 49ers and some of the Giants. And I was young and pretty. And God, you better believe I let one or two of those guys buy me drinks. Don't, don't be like me. Anyway, so Perry's used to be fabulous, and you went there specifically on Sunday morning for brunch or a hamburger, and you got to see all the athletes of San Francisco eating in there. It was totally fun. And now, today, I've been to the Slanted Door, which, of course, has become famous in the last 10 or 15 years. Delicious food. Vietnamese, absolutely delicious food. Some of these restaurants are gone, but Trader Vic's was one of the original innovative and they made a drink called a scorpion and they gave you it was like a bowl and four straws it was it was really good if there were only three people so that was one of my fondest memories and in high school we your boyfriends took you there before the prom or before something like that i think today my favorite one of my favorite restaurants still in san francisco and i have been to the like I think it's called Town Hall, and I've been to a lot of them because when I come into town, people say, let's go here. You've never been here, and I love it. But actually, I love Fairlawn, which is right on Union Square, and the chef was Mark Franz, and he he had a twin sister named Mary, and they went to Marine Catholic when I went to Sarafel High School, so I knew them. And the restaurant has been there almost 20 or 25 years. But if you've never been there in San Francisco, it's not inexpensive. But I'll tell you something. When the decor came out, the, the lamps and stuff look like octopuses. And so when you're eating at nighttime and the lighting is low, you almost feel like you're the human in an aquarium. And it's not an uncomfortable feeling. It's a phenomenal feeling. So anyway, that's one of my favorite places in San Francisco. And my husband and I eat there whenever we're in San Francisco. And it's it's one of his favorite places because the fish again is so fresh. Just it's it's just a wonderful wonderful place. Now she says she was done, but one other thing: you want old time San Francisco, you go to John's Grill, okay? And it's on Ellis. And John's Grill is 
Oh, Dashiell Hammett wrote the Maltese Falcon there. It's an old San Francisco restaurant with terrible stairs to walk up and down that are almost dangerous. And it's dark and it's wood booze downstairs and it's the upstairs, but they will make you a Caesar salad at the table if you still want. They have incredible steaks and Petroli Soul. Petroli Soul is what they were famous for. So that's, that's my San Francisco in a nutshell. Some of this has been jogging my memory as I've been writing stories I try to remember some of the most memorable meals I've ever had in places. It's either the food or the people I was with or the city or the view or something magnificent. And I know you all have them too. But also, I can be bought with a Costco hot dog, so please don't think I'm highfalutin because I'm not kidding you. I can be bought for a Costco hot dog. All right. I'm hoping that Diane will do the, a podcast similar to this when she's back. So please write us at womenbeyond at icloud.com. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.